0: Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic i Willis. Today we have a special guest, a repeat guest. He's going to give us an update on how things are going with his case. Well, the case is over, but he's going to tell us a little bit more about the opioid epidemic. Bruce Boise worked for nearly 24 years in the pharmaceutical industry, first as a hospital representative, then as a sales manager in the Great Lakes region after losing his job as a whistleblower. We like that. He spent portions of the next 17 years working with the United States Justice Department on two separate False Claims Act cases against his former employer, Cephalon Tiva, a neurobiotech company. Bruce, welcome to Politics Right again. How are you doing today? Hey, very good. Thanks for having me again. Well, look, we want first of all, let's get started. Because you actually wrote a book that detailed this entire stuff. Tell us a little bit about uh, why you wrote the book.
1: I wrote the book. Well, first of all, my, my lead counsel, uh, Peter Chatfield, wanted me to write the book uh, for like 10 years before. Mm-hmm. And he said, you really have to write the book. You got to tell the story of well, what went on and how you persevered and what occurred. But you were successful and that's important. And so he said, you really want to write a book about what a whistleblower would be, what it is, sort of the inside scoop of that. And also to talk about how the opioid crisis came about. And so that's really the reason I initially started to write the book. But now as the book's been out, I'm doing so much in patient advocacy and involved. There's so much to be involved in to help in the opioid crisis, as little as I can, as as much work as I can put into it to help in like, for example, just getting the information out to even local addiction centers and, and national, I talk in a national level as well, uh, to Fed Up and to other national organizations. So that's sort of what my role is now. But as it started with Peter's suggestion was to get the book out for it, describing sorry. a whistleblower.
0: So, your book pretty much explains to folks hey, you can be a whistleblower. It's an important thing to do that, but recognize that there are some repercussions for doing that. But, you know, it's the many times it's a moral thing. And absent you doing it, this the same crap goes on and on and on.
1: Uh, You know, and 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 I'll tell you, Alberto, this is sort of a you know, you have careers. And then you have like life careers, like mm-hmm. where you, you wind up working for somebody and you do this job and you make money and you get through life. This has been a change for me where it's been a, a real cause, a real need area that I see where more people need to join to help. And so that's what it's become now for me that I, I'm pretty involved in it most, most of the time.
0: Bruce, when uh, when uh, your guy contacted me, I said, "You know what?" He said, "You know," he, he kind of said cert something similar to that, and then my, my thing was like, "I know exactly how you feel," because you went from being this executive at this company to now, you you've changed profession. You're an advocate. You're a consumer advocate. You are you wrote a book to tell folks how you know. Same thing we I went through from having a software company to being an advocate for okay. progressive issues. So I mean. Uh, People don't, many times people don't understand the change and the change itself, how uh, not only difficult, but rewarding, because I know that right now, tell me about how rewarding this is to you that you just know you're actually helping people to make a better life for themselves.
1: Oh Oh my gosh. Um, Probably the most significant thing that comes out of it is that you know, I am I do my daily activity, like I'm down in the Key West area now, uh-huh. um, visiting friends. And I went out to dinner and the manager of the restaurant, hey, we haven't seen you in a long time. Where, what have you been doing? And I said, oh, I wrote a book. And they said, Wro- wrote a book. And most people didn't didn't know that I was involved in the opioid crisis and I was involved in cases and wore a wire and all that stuff, I because you don't talk about that. Right. And so... I go, well, it's like now I'm really busy with patient advocacy and things like that. And he's, he turned around and he said, he said, oh, I'd love to get a, one of your books. And 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 I said, well, I think I got one in the, I'm driving, I got one in the truck. And I said, I got one in the, I'll just give you one. He said, okay, so he's he's at the podium where he's supposed to be for the manager, run a restaurant. He's reading it, he comes over and he goes, you know, I lost a relative. 23 years old, uh, athletic injury on fentanyl, got addicted, finally overdosed. And, and you hear those stories all the time that when you start talking about what you're doing now and it just rolls into this, they tell you about who, you know, what incident was, what what family member may have died or or even worse, what occurs as far as the collateral damage. It's like the mom overdosed, but the father and the kids separated and now are not together anymore. The family's gone. And so you run across those kind of things and you know you're on the right path of doing good work when you run across those kinds of stories almost all the time, all the time. It, it's amazing to me how much this has affected our country.
0: Let me tell you something, um, Bruce. America is a country which it's individualism, not because people want to be individualistic, but it's what it's preached to people, that they so often suffer in silence. We have a culture that suffers in silence. And books like yours and the work that you do tell people it is okay to open up. I have relatives right now, family members right now who I know have particular health issues, etc., And they would rather deal with a whole lot on their own, as opposed to saying, you know what, if you just get help here, things can be so much better, not only for you, but for the family in general. So what you're doing is important work.
1: I, 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 I so believe that. And 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 for you too, because as you're having me on, it helps me get the message out. And that's good stuff that you're doing so that, and all it is, like somebody goes into a doctor's office and they don't want to tell the doctor what's going on, but they've got an idea, but they won't ask the question. Ask the question, write the questions down, ask the question. It's not rocket science with this. It you know, the doctor's there and the nurses are there to try to figure it out. I'm going through that with my brother right now. He won't, he doesn't want to talk to him about it. And 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 it's like all you gotta do is, and all of a sudden after two months of treatment, he's better. And it's like you, you don't have to suffer in silence. All you gotta do is ask that question, step out of that. You don't have to be this suffering person. You can you can resolve it. And so it's true and that's that optimistic view I have in life. That's also true with the opioid crisis. We, we dare not lose our focus in all these other issues that we have. Now the pandemic is, is horrible, I get it. And 500,000 people have died and it's it's bad. But you also can't stop a virus and you can pay attention to cardiovascular disease, oncology issues, and and you know, do your your pre medical work so that those workups so that you know patients don't get caught with stage four cancer. They catch it earlier, right? And and those are the questions. Those are the simple questions to get people to do. That's the patient advocacy part of it.
0: You know, so um, b- before I I want to kind of explore that a little bit further, but uh, tell me what's the state as you see it, of the opioid crisis, you know that a lot of the companies that uh, you know about, uh, you know, they tried to put that under the ground. They tried not to make it make it seem as it as bad as it was. I know there is there are a lot of suits that been settled right now. Uh, what's the state of the opioid um, epidemic right now?
1: I, I think it breaks down into a couple different parts, right? So one, you got the pharmaceutical industry and their role and how they off-labeled the the opioid products uh, whether that's a fentanyl product or whether that was oxycontin um, and those folks have been fined and they're and they've moved on because they sign off that no one can come back after them Mm -hmm. after and some of the fines are substantial and they're, they're finally getting to that also the distributors so they've gone after the distributors so big Drug company distributors have been fined as well. Also, um, there are consultants. So, pharmaceutical management consultant uh, Kinsey is mm-hmm. the one that's been fined uh, 500. I think it was 573 million dollars. They were doing the the uh, consulting and marketing for um, OxyContin and Purdue. Those are all in place, and those are moving along. The issue with that is that we can't, uh, we cannot just forget about that they did that, because greed leads to fraud, leads to patient death. You have to still be an advocate and still pay attention to what's going on, not only with pharmaceutical companies but also the FDA.
0: Now, uh, so in effect, uh, do you feel like? Uh between the government and these pharmaceutical companies you think that the resolution is fair or you know it's it's always hard to think that well the resolution with the corporation is fair but what's your thoughts on that
1: um uh, i i know they're being hammered pretty hard right now mm-hmm. the trouble is is that i've been on that side of it where i'm the plaintiff and they're the defendant and i'll just say this their defense is a military defense militant defense in other words they're not giving anybody up they're not giving anybody's up and so you you've got to be able to keep track of what goes on and if let's say let's say a company x winds up having an opioid they want to get to market well just don't just don't let them go to market and start all over again with another opioid just to to you know solve their bottom line, pay attention to it as, as an advocate, you know, with different uh, people like, for example, prop uh, physicians for responsible opioid uh, prescribing, those those folks that are involved in that to still be involved in that and still keep track of that. Because there's one aspect of that. And then the other is that, you know, we got drugs coming in that are so cheap, the fentanyl product or or any of that they add to, you know, what whatever's on the street, which is another issue by itself, right? You almost get addicted by a prescribed a prescription, like the mention, the one kid that had a sports industry in, in, in injury, and then he winds up get, having a fentanyl product, then all of a sudden he gets addicted. Well, that kind of situation can occur, but it's not as relevant. It, maybe it's still relevant, but right. you, you have so much coming into the country as a fentanyl product and in fact uh um, methamphetamine is a big issue now coming into the east coast areas so so you get those those that's why i said there's sort of two different divergent issues coming on on now but you still can't take your eye off the ball with it you still have to be cognizant of what goes on and and people you know bad people do bad things
0: so Two more questions. The first one I'm asking yeah. you and the first one is actually you, but the first so be thinking about the, the the last one, which is what didn't I ask you that I wanted to ask that you wanted me to ask you. But we're going to hold off on that one. I just wanted okay. to think about that in the background <laughs> because I remember the last time. But anyhow, let's go <laughs> let's let, let's go ahead and um, say with uh, after writing this book, you've changed your life. Mm-hmm. You're now doing a, a lot of uh, what I call altruistic things—things things that I, that I, that that are helping people. Give me some specifics as far as what you're going to be doing—not what you've, not only what you've done, what you're going to be doing going forward. What I want to do is show people that. If more of us take interests in these types of things, there's so many people that want to do other things, but are so scared to say, I am going to break from this, and I'm going to start doing this, this, this altruistic thing that I've always wanted to do, and the opportunity is there. Take it. Go ahead.
1: You know, one of the fascinating things is the speaking engagements or the things that I do that are, I'm really, you set off to say, oh, I'm going to promote the book. But what you get into is you get into different speaking engagements that really don't have, they have something to do with the book, but really what it ends up doing is that you're either educating or you're doing patient advocacy. And it's so rewarding. I'm telling you it is so rewarding. Uh, there's a high school teacher where I live that, that said, it'd be great if you came in and spoke to the staff and then had a, had a, a session that you'd speak to the, the students. And I'm going to be doing that. And then there's uh, also there's a speaking engagement with a local addiction center. And all the things that I hear like from higher up on a national level, it's interesting to go to addiction center and then listen to what they say. and And they're on the ground. They're the foot soldiers on the ground. They bring the patients in and and they have to deal with the family members, and they have to deal with everything that goes on, and and it's just it, it's yeoman work. It's it's unbelievable to to experience that. And those are some of the things that that in the future I'm doing more and more of.
0: That is great because and and by the way, just want to say something. Yeah, I, I get a lot of folks that come on here with books, and I get all these things with books. Let me just say, the only time I I, I go off with these books is people that you can actually see that that is what they're doing. In your your, your stuff here, you can see that this is something you care about and you're just not plugging a book. You know, there are some people that are just plugging a book and there are some people that are actually making a material difference in society. And I consider you one of those.
1: Oh, thank you. Anyhow,
0: latter question. Why didn't I ask you that you wanted me to ask you?
1: Oh my gosh, I don't know what. I, <laughs> I, I gave know. you I gave you a heads up. <laughs> I know you gave me a heads up. I completely got a blank. I'm sorry. You're going to have to lead me into that.
0: <laughs> well, anyhow, that, that, that's, that's not a problem. I, I think one of the things that I should have asked you is what's next? Is there another book coming? Uh, what's going on?
1: Oh my gosh, there is another book coming.
0: There is one coming.
1: I really want to do... I know, I know you're gonna. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Oh, this okay. is, this is a, this is a, and I don't know whether I'm going to do this or not, but I think it needs to be done. Okay. This book is sort of a scolding.
0: Okay. I want and to hear what,
1: that. And and what it is is that this country can be better. Okay. And we're not. And. And there is a lot of areas that we need to do better on. And it's not just politics. It's not just, it's like, where did, when did we stop caring for our own Americans? When did we stop that? When did we, when did we stop? And, and Alberto, Alberto, this is the number one thing. When did we stop paying attention to what we should do as humans, as Americans in this society? Like, don't be, yes, you have a job, but there's more to your job than just doing your job and then clocking out. If you see something, say something. If you, if you see somebody in need, do a kind act during the day. Why, why not do something as a kind act all the time? You know, I, I, I think back to my grandmother and, and going to church and, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be a good boy. But what are you doing Monday through Saturday? Right, <laughs> right. It's like yes. and I don't mean to preach in that sense. And I but I think we all could be better if we looked at those what, what, whatever those problems are we have as a country. We can solve those together. That's that's
0: that's what I'm thinking of. Well, you know what, Bruce? That was the answer. And I tell you something else, Sam. Um, now that you've said that out loud, yes, we're gonna hold you to that book. And I'll be <laughs> I, I, and, and, and and I want to be one of the first ones to interview you when you're done writing that book because you're a good writer. <laughs> Author of Cold Comfort: One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives, Senor Bruce boys thank you so kindly for having been on politics done right
1: oh thank you very much thanks for having me